Hi, welcome to Coffee and Closers. I'm Nikolai Bedor, and I want to personally invite you to join me and one of today's top performing sales stars for a cup of coffee and authentic conversation. And our collective goal is that you will walk away with tangible knowledge that you can apply to your sales efforts today. Are you ready? Grab a cup, fill it up, and let's get into another episode of Coffee and Closers. So why don't you put your hands together for these CEOs who sell? All right, all right. Well, I didn't get too deep into your background because I figure who's gonna, who's gonna sell you better than you? You basically covered everything about me. <laughs> Including the chest hair that's popping yeah, out? Yeah. <laughs> you gotta show up. When you're, when you're with a true Italian, you gotta prove that you can match that chest hair. So I showed a little more today, yeah. Fun fact. You're welcome. Fun fact, entrepreneurship produces chest hair, so yeah. Yeah. that might be a deterrent yeah. for some, I'm not sure. This isn't chest hair, this is success hair. That's what this is, yeah, yeah. I just trademarked that, that's oh mine. Oh my yeah. goodness, people yeah. just tuned out right there. Okay, um, so you know, wh wh why don't you guys kind of share a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey and how sales has played a part in that so we can get to know you. Oh, okay, I'll just start. Um, how, how far back do I go? I grew up in northern Minnesota on the Iron Range. Um, no, so my name's Sarah Edwards, and um, it's funny because I literally just quit my job a year and a half ago, terrified, as most people do, um, having kind of a plan but not totally figured out. And now, a year and a half later, I have four full-time employees, and we're growing exponentially, and it's insane. I have a little bit of imposter syndrome sometimes. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. But then I find that a lot of people don't know everything that they're doing. And I think the biggest, you know, the biggest part of my journey has been really just developing a really trust-infused network. And I um, think my best LinkedIn recommendation came from someone that said, um, Sarah Edwards is like the Kevin Bacon of Minneapolis. <laughs> She knows everyone. And like, it was not for my role in Footloose. It was just, um, and so I've been able to really, when I think of selling, I don't think of myself as a salesperson. I sell all the time, but I'm really just talking about value and how I can help. And I kind of go about every conversation is how can I help you and kind of um, sitting with that a bit. I don't know how deep you want me to that's, get. No, that's amazing. Okay. All right, so anyone in the room that knows me knows that I'm really long-winded on a microphone, so I'm gonna spare you on my first answer and be very short-winded. Uh, for me, um, sales has meant everything to me in my life. I absolutely love sales, and I think for me, uh, what sales has done for me is uh, given me the knowledge that I can do anything that I want to do, because nothing can stand in your way if you know how to sell, right? You can take any idea, you can build any company. You can be a, an incredible salesperson for someone else's company. You can name your own price. You can do whatever you want if you can learn to sell. And all you have to do to learn to sell is to develop, develop your empathy muscle a little bit, and then you're good to go. When I was 17 years old, <clears throat> I got my first raise at Circuit City. It was 10 cents an hour. My sales manager at the time said, why don't you seem excited? I said, Sam, I'm not here for the money. 
And he looks at me, what do you mean you're not here for the money? I'm here to learn how to sell, period. I've started 10 companies in my life. I enjoy starting companies. I enjoy all the problems that come with it. The highs and the lows, the roller coaster of life, it's fun. Um, I started an IT business, mostly through high school, college. Sold that shortly after I graduated college, Entrepreneurship St. Thomas. I've uh, been doing a social media marketing company for about 10 years. We just hired a CEO to help run that to free me up to work on an Airbnb business as well as a cybersecurity academy. And uh, excited to be here today. Thanks, McLeay. Absolutely. Put your hands together for these cats. All right. So we're going to kind of do this a little bit where it's going to be as a group and then individualized, if that's all right with you. Um, I want to know kind of that first deal, basically the first person that gave you money for whatever you know, company it was. I want to hear that story, how, how it happened, how it came to be. And then I want to fast forward to your last deal and how things you've, you've kind of adjusted along the way and what you've learned. Tyler's got it? I'll take it. I was 12 years old. <laughs> I was up in my grandparents' cabin near Brainerd, Minnesota, and the family next door said, we need a teenager to fix our computer. This was my first objection as an entrepreneur. <clears throat> I said, I'm not a teenager yet, but I'm sure I can fix your computer. I went over, I fixed it up, and they said, what do we owe you? Well, I've never been paid before. Well, what do you like? I like brownies. So my first time getting paid as an entrepreneur, as a salesperson, was in brownies up at the cabin at 12. We still accept that. I, I still get bribed by food. It's, I, it's probably the easiest way to sell me food and fun experiences. So I've been on coffee and closers before, and I told, I told this story. Um, so I'm not going to tell the, <laughs> nobody watched that one. Aww. Um, we're like brothers, it's fine. Um, no, so uh, I'm gonna one-up you. I've been working uh, and paying taxes since I was eight years old, no joke. Um, and so the, the first person that paid me, I don't have fond memories of that. It was a paper route and I had to do it because I had to buy my own jeans and I had to buy my own 10-speed bike. Um, but what I remember most was the first time somebody believed in me. So I grew up uh, in, a, in a household where uh, we were worker bees. Everybody was insanely blue collar. Um, my father owned his own shop. He was a mechanic. And so he instilled the entrepreneurial mindset in me, but we definitely got by uh, paycheck to paycheck. It was very stressful. Um, there, were, there were times that I loaned my parents money when I was you know, a teenager um, and even before. Um, I grew up feeling like the education system wasn't working for me. Everybody was telling me I wasn't going to amount to anything or go anywhere, and I started to believe that. And so I started selling things like telemarketing. I started selling things like cars, the things that uh, I just felt like I was only qualified to do. And one day, the bassist in my band said, my father has a marketing agency, and he needs somebody to sell, and he heard you can sell. Can you help save his agency? And I said, yes, of course I can, because why not? I've never done that. Of course I can do that. It introduced me to multiple things that changed my life immediately. One, I developed an immediate love for marketing. Um, I developed an immediate love for sales, and I immediately learned that I do bring value in this world, and what I really needed was a champion to show me that I can harness whatever small amounts of skills I have to be successful in this life. And so that, for me, was the pivotal moment 
where when I came into his agency, we immediately started seeing successes. I was scheduling so many meetings, he couldn't believe it. His calendar was absolutely filled. Um, that's where I developed a love of cold calling, which unfortunately doesn't work as well anymore these days. Uh, but it was great then. This was many years ago. I'm almost 40, everybody. I know, newsflash, I look like I'm 12, but <laughs> kidding. But that's, that's really the pivotal moment for me, was just the validation. Um, I think the, the story I want to tell is, so going, I should give some context. So, um, I was producing community events for like nine or 10 years, just out of passion. I've always loved fashion and I didn't really relate to a lot of the things I would see on the runways. And for me, fashion was about people, stories, community art. So my first ever event I did was called I Am Minneapolis. And mind you, <laughs> I did this nine years ago while I was working a full-time job and waitressing four nights a week and covered in student loan debt. So when I went to go do this event, I had like negative funds, um, but I just had an idea. And so it's funny because this is also before influencer marketing was a thing and Instagram wasn't really around. So it was influential people in the community doing cool stuff that I wanted to see on a runway. I'm like, that's more interesting, this person that is an amazing tattoo artist, the chef. And that's how I kind of started building my network. Again, at the time, I didn't know what I was doing. I just wanted to do a fashion show that was interesting and exciting. Um, my budget was $500, which if you do big events, it's not a lot of money. Um, <laughs> and, but, you know, I just got people excited to be a part of this thing. And I was building these really amazing relationships with really cool people in the city. And then kind of fast forward, I kept doing these events. I would go to senior homes and do um, like their hair and makeup with a group of people, kind of guerrilla style, just pop up, do things that I liked, wanted to see in the community. So fast forward, I was doing these events. I was exhausted working my full-time job, making zero money doing these events. And I'm like, I got to pick one or the other. This has been like nine years in this fun passion project has either got to like step aside and I just have to pursue my career, you know, and full-time my career, or I have to figure out how to monetize this. And around that time, I was like looking around at other events and how, what, how people were finding sponsors, and I was like, you know, car dealerships seem to sponsor a lot of things. So I started researching car dealerships and figuring out who to call, like, and again, no idea what I was doing, working my full-time job, doing all this stuff, and just had an idea. I'd always kind of had this mindset of helping people along the way that maybe had nothing to really offer me at the time, but I just wanted to, like, believe in karma. And I was having coffee with a person that I was helping on a project. And I was like, you know, she's like, what are you working on? I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go pitch this, this car dealership. And she's like, who? And I'm like, well, I don't have a meeting yet. I've just, you know, sent a bunch of cold emails. She's like, well, you know, my brother-in-law, blah, 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 owns this dealer. He's a GM at this dealership. And I was like, okay, cool. She's like, do you want me to call him? I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, it's Jaguar Land Rover, who was my first <laughs> sell, if you can imagine. I was sitting in this coffee shop, and she literally called him while we were sitting there. I was dressed like I usually dress, kind of colorful, um, maybe don't quite fit in the Jaguar Land Rover. But um, she's like, well, apparently he's leaving out of town for like two weeks, and you have to go meet with him like now. I'm like, I'm not ready. And I was like, I'm like, I, sorry. <laughs> I was like, I got to go figure this out. And I was like, OK. I'm like, I can't pretend to be anyone else. I only know how to be myself. 
I believe in what I'm doing. I feel really positive about the impact I'm making. I'm gonna just go do this and I'm not gonna take any of the advice of act like this, do this, wear this. I'm just gonna just be my colorful, authentic self. And I walked in, I go, look, I've never done this before. I do these amazing events. They sell out, people love them. Um, I think I can engage the community. I think, you know, you spend all of this money at this event and that event. I said, give me a budget and let me see what I can do with it. I was hitting my pants. <laughs> I was like, he was like sitting there. I'm selling to a car salesman. Like that's like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like the salesman. And he's, he's kind of like, you know, I think I'm gonna take a chance on this. I was literally like shaking and shaking his hand at the same time. And he's, I was like, I think I just got a deal with like a really cool car company. I mean, I was gonna go pitch Honda, which is cool too, but I mean, Jaguar Land Rover was really <laughs> exciting. So. I don't think Honda's <laughs> a client now. <laughs> so anyway, that, that kind of like, I had this moment where I, I, again, I said earlier, like I have imposter syndrome, like, oh, I should look this way or dress this way or act like this or act like I've read all these books or whatever. And I'm like, I've tried that and like people can see right through it. So I've had to just show up as myself and it's worked and got me this far. I'll say my latest sale that just happened like a month ago was way more refined than that. We're going through traction now. We have a strategy. We have like a whole thing, but I still get to like show up as myself. It's just maybe a little more refined and put together. That's, I love that story. Anyone else? I'm gonna, I'm gonna clap, I'm gonna force you to clap if you don't mind. That's great. Um, so, we, so you've answered this, because I was gonna ask a, a follow-up question, and I love this, kind of the tale of when it started oh. and to where you are now and with traction, and you can, you can respond too, but I'd love to kind of hear, so we have three different entrepreneur or CEOs who sell, right? Um, you know, you've been funded, you've been funded in, in other ways, right? And you've just hired a CEO. Yeah. So obviously, you've, you've come up with a process that, that produces revenue. I would like to hear more on the specifics of those processes and how you've, maybe how you've landed your last deal or, or whatever strikes you to explain your process. The process as far as fundraising? Nope, uh, we'll get there. Um, the yeah. process as far as, as landing your next deal. Yeah, okay. Um, so I'll start because yours is gonna be more impressive because um, That's how you really set yourself up for some <laughs> impactful statements, right? Um, we're, we're, we're at different levels, right? I mean, our businesses, well, your newest business, we're basically at a very similar level now, but um, your other businesses are at a very different level than mine. So until just maybe three weeks ago, um, for the last two years, I've been a team of one um, building the company that, that we've built, SalesReach. And um, yes, I had contractors that were working in the back end to build the technology and design the pieces and all of that stuff, but I was the only employee. And for half of that time, I was the unpaid employee. That's just how you start a business. Um, the, uh, the funding um, helped us tremendously, right, to, to get to a point where first I could put myself on a payroll and be the first salesperson slash marketing person slash product director slash financial accountant, I'm suck at that portion, um, slash legal counsel, um, all of those things. But um, these first deals have been so fun. I think that um, one thing that uh, Mitch Cupid told me uh, years ago was that those first 10 sales should be CEO sales. That, that's the person in the company that should identify how this thing gets sold. 
And so that's really what my role has been in the company over the last two years is figuring out how do we sell this? What are the true pain points? What are the things that people are going to remember when they're thinking about their sales process and how we could maybe help them? What are those buzzwords? What are those triggers that are going to get them to re-engage with me? Um, we've had some absolutely incredible, um, absolutely brag-worthy success with, in, uh, over the last year in some of these clients that have come on. Some of the companies that are currently utilizing our product are some of the biggest companies in the world. And really, the way I've been opening those doors has been through producing content, um, being somebody that is seen, um, at least on LinkedIn, as a thought leader in this whole sales and marketing alignment, marketing space, right? Being there uh, as a sounding board when they're like, yeah, we think we have this breakdown in our sales and marketing teams. Tell me more about what you do. How, how do you solve for that? Um, and it opens the door to these pilots. And the beauty of the pilots is that every single one of the pilots so far has turned into bigger teams within the company utilizing the product. So I guess from my perspective, in the sales efforts and growing my business, don't be afraid to go for those small wins at huge organizations, right? Just because there's 3,000 salespeople in a company, it doesn't mean that you need more than two of them on that first sale to start utilizing your product because those early adopters, in my case at least, have become evangelists, have started spreading the word within their organization, and then before I know it, the rest of the team is calling up and saying, well, now this isn't fair. Why do they have this tool and we don't? How do we get this? And that's really where the sales efforts have been coming from. And it's great too, right? Because in those early days, the pilot was like, oh, no, 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 this is a closed beta. I can't take you on right now. We'll have to talk in two months. And oh, come on, really? You build that excitement. It's really, really fun, right? Um, it's kind of like the first date where you're like, we're just going to hold hands, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, you ever done that? We're have just I gonna, held a hand? Yeah, uh, yeah. One or, one or two. Yeah, we're just going to hold hands on this date, right? Lots of success here. <laughs> Always show lots of success here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'll weed them out for sure. Yeah. They're either interested or definitely not interested. It's Minnesota. It's a qualifier, right? It's Minnesota, right? Like if I was dating in California, women would be like, you're too warm to sleep next to. But in Minnesota, they're like, my God, eight months out of the year, you are going to save me, right? Oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm buying. I'm, I'm buying what you're throwing out there. Get, get, give them what they want, right? Give them what they want. Thanks, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> Follow that. <laughs> <laughs> when he was <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I've learned in entrepreneurship is that the, one of the key factors that builds success in entrepreneurship and I believe that entrepreneurship and sales have a lot of similarities. One of the key factors that contributes to success is the level of curiosity of the entrepreneur. The desire to learn constantly. The willingness to uh, uh, build upon what you've, uh, the foundation you've got and to keep growing and keep learning. And I think sales is no exception to that. When you're building your own personal business in sales, whether it's a territory, a product, the amount that you need to learn is incredible. I've found that in order to learn quickly, having mentors is a huge part of what's built success for me. And entrepreneurs will frequently build board of advisors. 
you know, to learn from. I don't find many salespeople building a personal board. Hmm. I believe that having a personal board, I was actually at a US bank leadership meeting this week speaking and the topic of sales happened to come up. And somebody asked a really provocative question. Should the manager always be the one who's the mentor? And I said, no, absolutely not. The manager can be a great mentor. But having other people, I was actually just in a presentation with the um, uh, founder of, of Giftology. Has anybody heard of uh, Cutco Knives? Selling door-to-door -door knives? Sounds like a terrible job, but a great learning experience. This guy has single-handedly single sold more Cutco knives than the rest of Cutco salespeople combined in the history of the company. Wow, lot to learn there. And his trick was, I give them away for free. And it was a great, thought-provoking presentation. And so I told that story in the US Bank presentation. I said, if, one of the things that I do when I'm entering a new industry with a new business, I want to find the number one salesperson in the entire category of business and have them be on my board. With Modern Foundation, my marketing company, I brought together five entrepreneurs that are all on the Fast 50 list. They're all in service-based businesses, each with personal different skill sets. One's a sales rainmaker. One's an operations uh, master. One's uh, somebody in finance. And one's more of a creative mind. And I've been able to learn immensely from them. Um, I don't know if this answers your actual question, but I thought there were a bunch of interesting stories there that relate to both entrepreneurship and sales that I don't see many salespeople do. And entrepreneurs don't do early enough. We're actually building boards for both Away Agents and for Shield, my cybersecurity business. That's on our core. Actually, Dick is over here. It's his job to help make that happen. Uh, that's called delegation. And. <laughs> He's great at that. So we're going to try to bring on people like Robert Stevens, the founder of Geek Squad. He's pretty good at brand and culture building. Brand and culture building is going to be really critical to the success of our company and those kinds of people. Anyways, that's, that's my story that probably didn't answer the question. Who cares? I loved it. <laughs> Every second of it. We need a quick follow-up on that because we're supposed to learn things about sales. So when you're selling knives door-to-door, -door, quick lesson. <laughs> Confidence. If you knock on the door and you say, hi. Would you like to buy a knife? Or if you say, hi, would you like to buy some knives? <laughs> if you're standing at the door with a bunch of knives in your hands, I think that's how you land that deal, right? I don't think that's correct. <laughs> no, everyone here just got dumber for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> please, please pass go, you are awarded no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone uh, delete that from your memory bank. <laughs> <laughs> we will not be giving away uh, my address anytime soon, but I'll tell you, has anyone sold door-to-door? -door? Uh, Southwestern Company? Yeah, I know there's a handful. So I did, and you're right, and they do a fantastic training. I don't know the Cutco philosophy, but man, I mean, if you can sell anything door-to-door, -door, you can, and we've got our neighbor kids that we're kind of trying to coach and saying, it's gonna suck, go sell rain gutters or whatever, do door-to-door, because -door, when you're 10 years from that point, you're gonna be unstoppable. So I just brought on a salesperson, whoops, for Away Agents, the Airbnb management company, and he is so funny, assumes the clothes more than anybody I've ever met in my life. No joke, so he's been doing door-to-door -door sales with his previous job. 
before he even signs the contract with us, he changes his LinkedIn profile to Way Agents, lives in Vail, uh, where we got operations. And I was like, wow, talk about assuming the clothes. But frankly, it works. He, he, he set up five meetings before he even started. I love those kinds of salespeople. Wow. wow. Um, I probably only have time for, for two more questions. Um, so I'm going to wrap. Uh, let me really quick, because how many people here sell services? Wow. Okay. How many sell products? Okay. So you two, I'm going to focus on the service. I know you've done a ton of stuff, but I'd like to kind of hear for those people selling services, maybe some that are selling services now and how they can get better or getting into service sales. What's interesting is we started a, a BBG was a service company. Um, it was, it was nothing. It didn't cost anything to get into, but it did cost uh, money and some heartache to scale that professional service company up. I would like to kind of hear any tips and tricks that you can give our audience and those people that do this. How do you start and how do you scale up a professional services company? One of the things I've learned, at least in most services, most services require a consultative sales process. And that starts with the ability to ask good questions that get towards an understanding of what is someone's pain. You know, you talked about empathy earlier. I find that uh, there are lots of different directions I could, I could speak on, but understanding personality types. One of the things that I do when I meet somebody within three to five minutes, my goal is to uh, guess at what your disc profile is, what your color profile is, what your Myers-Briggs is, and have an idea of your strengths finder in five minutes. What does that allow me to do? I learn a lot about you and if there's an opportunity to work together, whether I want to hire you, whether I want to sell to you, whether there's some partnership that we can create, I now know how to communicate in a way that you'll understand, that you'll resonate with. And uh, that has helped me immensely in life, um, especially selling service, because you really need to understand what is someone's pain. One of the things I find in marketing services specifically, our job is frequently not to build the best ROI in a marketing campaign, although that is a great thing to do. Our job is typically to make the marketing director look good. Help them hit their personal bonus that allows them to get, take the family vacation that they haven't taken in five years. We, we need to understand what is the emotional pain and desire of that buyer, which in that case is the marketing director, and frequently it's something like, I wanna keep my job, and or I don't want to lose my job, I, don't, I want to hit this uh, bonus tier, uh, that is actually what we're there to do. And so everything we think about, everything we deliver has to make the marketing director look good. Wonderful. Sarah? Let me... Yeah. Um, by the way, I use this gentleman's product, and it's amazing, and Ooh. it's like changed our lives. Glowing endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess, you know, like I said, we've grown, I mean, went from me quitting my job to now we have four employees, but um, I've learned to not do the things I'm not good at and hire people that are better than me to do other things. Um, and one thing, too, I'll say with sales specifically that I think about a lot is, like, a lot of times we're having these conversations and we're just focused on this one part of this person in their job and they function holistically as a human throughout their life like whether they have a family whether they have you know where they live where they volunteer what they do so I feel like sometimes we need to get out of our bubbles out of our boxes and go experience other things so 
when we were going through traction, one of the core values we came upon was we're social chameleons. And really what that means is like any given time, like we might be literally scrubbing gunk off the um, floor of a boys and girls club basketball gym with like US Bank or whatever and having these conversations with these people, really getting to know these people, not in their marketing roles, not in their sales roles, and understanding like what they care about. And then we might be planning a big gala event with very fancy people and like understanding what drives them in that moment. But I feel like trying to connect with people outside of just their role is a really great way to sell because you really get at the core of what they care about, not as maybe marketing professionals and salespeople, but as humans. And at the end of the day, that's, I think, where you can really connect and create that, that um, empathetic, you know, I don't want to say that's where you sell, but that's where you can really understand what their goals are and what they're trying to do. So I'm trying really hard as much as I can to get to know people that I'm working with outside of just their job because it can understand what their goals are overall. That's, that's gold. Um, so Josh, I have a question for you because you've sat on the, the service side of things, which is kind of what inspired SalesReach, right? Yeah. You saw some things that you're like, this isn't working. I'm going to go build a product that can, that can, that can yeah. Know, answer that. Can you talk about kind of the challenges of starting a product company, maybe the costs and how you scaled sales reach to this point? Yeah, I mean, I, my, my entire career, I was in the services industry working for marketing agencies. I owned my own marketing agency. Um, I got out of the services industry because I just couldn't spend another day of my life in the services industry. Um, I just couldn't. Um, but um, real quick, one thing uh, that Tyler mentioned earlier uh, with advisors. It's critically important, and this guy just happens, Tyler happens to be one of the first advisors that I reached out to. I went on like this whirlwind experience when I was trying to figure out what my next step was. I had an idea for a business. I didn't quite know how to do it. I didn't want it to fail the way my first business did, and I really wanted to learn all the things that I didn't know from the failure of that first business. So I just started pinging all kinds of successful people that I had never met. I don't even know how we first got introduced. I don't remember if I just sent you a LinkedIn message or... I think I was trying to hire you. Oh, he was trying to hire me. That's right. That's right. I heard this. <laughs> oh, my God. you to work for us. That's right. That is how we got introduced. So, okay, so, so, sorry about that. We could have really done some amazing things together. Um, don't dwell in the past, though. All right, so, um, that's awkward. So, at least it's not being recorded. Oh, yeah. wait. So uh, for me, it was a very natural thing, right? It's not always supernatural. For me, it was supernatural going from a services industry to a product because the product that I now created was a product that I created for myself at my marketing agency as my sales tool. It was something that I didn't think was all that novel at the time. I just thought it was better than sending a bunch of attachments and emails to my prospects, right? And so I thought, look, I know how to build web pages. Why don't I just build a custom web page for all my clients and send them all the things they need on this web page and make their life really easy and they'll love me and they'll work with me. And I had no vision for building that out. Um, so making that transition was actually really simple. When the time was right, I started approaching people like Tyler and just saying, look, this is something that I've proven in my own life can work. And I know I can build this 
for the enterprise. I know that other salespeople need this. I know that this is a gap in the marketplace. I see all of this inbound marketing stuff that's happening and all these digital marketing people have all these cool tools and salespeople are getting the shaft and this isn't fair. Like we need to be able to create digital experiences for our prospects just as much as a marketing person needs to. So why don't we just give this to them? Why don't I build this? And Tyler was one of the few early advisors that actually understood what I was saying. I had a lot of early advisors that were like, this ain't gonna work. This, this isn't gonna work. There might be one in the room that is now an investor that I ran into. I, I shouldn't say his name, but he's probably here near, but um, I ran into him at an event and I said, hey, I had this idea. I'm gonna build this thing and I think it's gonna be great. And he's like, explain it to him. And I, and I told him, he goes, that's never gonna work. And now he's an investor, right? Which is great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it was just, for me, it was a combination of my background. I knew that this was a tool that needed to exist. I had done some work in digital product development, so I knew I could build a team that could actually build what my dream was and execute properly on that. And then from there, it was just on me. Do I believe in this enough? Is this a need enough for enough organizations that enough of them are going to use it and we can actually build this thing? And I truly believe that it was. So I just put the throttle down and I did not stop. I did not sleep. Um, and I wasn't going to let this fail. And um, so far, it's been great, right? Did that answer your question? I, I lost not. track, but yeah, uh, and you weren't listening. We're not, <laughs> we're not looking for specific answers. We're looking for yeah. solid gold, and I think we've achieved that. Um, with that, I have one more question, and we've had way too much positivity. So let's flip the script. <laughs> Something that we want to do here is, is, you know, not everyone can start 10 companies. Not everyone can be Sarah Edwards, and not everyone can have Chester, like Josh does. Um, but everyone has failed. Amen? Has anyone here never failed? Jake, you, there you go. There's a man who's never failed. You should give it a shot sometime. <laughs> so um, I, well, here's what I want to ask, and, and we're going to close this out, is um, everyone's failed except for you, sir. Um, is, tell, let's talk about a failure that really, that, that really it taught you something, how you over, overcame it, what you learned from it, and then what kind of inspirational advice you can give every uh, wannabe entrepreneur or salesperson here. I find that failure is, if not daily, potentially an hourly experience for entrepreneurs and salespeople. One of the most memorable mentorship quotes I received was from my sales coach uh, when I first started Modern Foundation. And she said, Tyler, your, your goal is not to get yeses. Your goal is to get as many no's as you possibly can because you will get yeses along the way. And so my metric every day is how many no's can I get? And in the game of sales, part of you sees a no as a failure to achieve success of finding a partnership opportunity. Now sometimes there's not a good fit. Um, you know, I think about failure from so many different angles, whether it is failing to successfully recruit Josh but really that conversation lasted about a minute or two and then I saw your dream and I was like, let's talk about that. Because um, that was more interesting and more fun. Um, I think about the failure of, you know, uh, when I've sold somebody and not delivering well enough. You know, that is, a, that is a, a, a too frequent experience for entrepreneurs. And what do you do? How do you handle that? All of those experiences that we have, um, it, it, I think the most important part around failure is learning how to emotionally navigate those experiences because if you choose to just throw it under a rug, that doesn't help. If you choose to ignore it, that doesn't help. You're going to continue failing. And I get too excited. I'm spilling my water still. Um, 
I, 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 um, I find that the goal of, of pursuing frequent failures is what builds success. So, yeah, I mean, I second that, right? I mean, every failure is a chance to learn, right? Learn what you're not doing right, learn where you're not meeting the objections properly, um, and to move forward faster. Um, I'm not afraid of failure at all, right? I mean, there was a time in my life that like every failure, every hurdle hurt so bad, and I just, I let it stop me every time. I would just give up on dreams, I would just give up on pursuing things that I wanted to do. Um, uh, very quickly, just because, you know, well, that was the easy thing to do, right? And at one point in my life, I just decided, you know what? I need to have better awareness of myself and my strengths and weaknesses, right? And I need to have better awareness of the things that are happening around me so that I can move forward and get through this stuff. And I think that that happened before I became a salesperson, but that has become the most critical skill in being a salesperson. Um, we get told no every single day, every day. And if I let that one no stop me dead in my tracks today, I would never get anywhere. I would have given up on this dream years ago, right? It would have been a horrible ending, right? I'd probably be back working at coffee shops right now or something. I mean, it's just, that's who I used to be. So you have to just learn to just move through those things, learn from them, accept them as challenges, and just keep moving forward. I think the big thing too, and I talked about this a lot on the last episode of Coffee and Closers, I talk about this a lot on my podcast, The Founder's Mentality. I'm not ashamed of any of the epic failures that I've had in my background, because I've had some really embarrassing, epic failures in my background, right? I'm not ashamed about those. Those had to happen. They absolutely had to happen because those are the things that gave me the strength to do all the other things that I'm doing right now, right? And the other thing is in sharing those failures, I've learned that everybody in this room has equal or close to failures in their background as well. And we don't always talk about them, but we see a lot of these very successful people in the world and we think, man, I can never be that person because all this crap is happening in my life and I bet that never happened to them. Yeah, it did. It happened to all of them. And it was really embarrassing when it happened to them as well. But the difference between them and people that don't find success is that they didn't give up on themselves. They let that be a lesson and they moved forward and they created something else that was better than whatever they had just created that failed. Um, yeah, failure, okay. We get vulnerable here, right? Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> well, it's funny, I tell you this all the time, like I have imposter syndrome, like sitting here right now, I kind of sometimes I'm like, am I supposed to be here? But like, not too long ago, I was going through a really ugly divorce, bad marriage, really unhealthy, felt like a piece of garbage, and like, and that's failure in itself, but when you're in, in something and you're, you know, I'll say a woman and you have to leave and it's not safe and you're like, Shit. and at that time I didn't have a job. <laughs> I had no money in my bank account. I had like, you know, I had a great mom and support system that way, but it was terrifying. And I think about this now because I'm like kind of grateful it got really sad and dark and bad because I felt like that's when I got my strength and that's when I understood what my strengths were. Not saying that I want everyone to go through a terrible divorce and like sleep in a crappy basement on their friend's floor. Not like, and this wasn't like a nice basement. This isn't like a room and board basement. This is like a cat hair basement. <laughs> um, 
And I like, again, I felt like such a loser. And this was, again, not that long ago. And I never thought I was gonna, I was never like, I'm gonna be an entrepreneur when I grow up. I was like, I just want someone to give me a paycheck and have health insurance, like those are my goals. Um, and I'm sharing this only because like, it was one of those moments where I wish someone would have said like, it's gonna get better, you just wait, just get through this. Now I'm at the point sometimes where I'm like, I want to get a little uncomfortable because I feel like when I'm uncomfortable and feel kind of nervous and anxious, I also kind of have a moment where I'm like break through a little bit. Not that I'm trying to create disasters in my life, but I'm also <laughs> just wanting to be able to get through because when I was in that basement, not only was it dark, like actually physically dark, it was just dark in my head where I'm like, I can't do any of this, but I was like, okay. I can't just drink black coffee and vodka, you know, for the next six months. I need to get my shit together. So I wrote a list of everything I needed. And again, I had nothing. I, I didn't have money in my bank account at that time. So, I, you know, luckily had a place to stay. So I wrote down, okay, what do I need? A job. I need health insurance. I need car insurance. I need somewhere to live that's not this basement. And I slowly kind of just started you know, checking things off that list. And then I was like, God, that felt good. So I started kind of making more goals that way. And I'm not talking about just making lists, but I'm talking about kind of envisioning like, okay, this can't go on forever. Like what's next? And I think for me, this quote is so cheesy, but I love it. Um, it, it was like, everything you want is on the other side of fear. And I think about that all the time because I'm like, I'm so scared to try all of these different things and do them. And I know if I can just kind of break through that really scary thing, whatever it is, like I know I can get there, but I think we have to go through that uncomfortable part. And as humans, I think we're obviously attracted to being comfortable. We want to be warm. We want to be comfy. We want to have a safety net. We want to have all of these things. So when you strip all of that away and you kind of exist and you're I'm like, okay. So for me, I always play worst case scenario. So when I was going to quit my job, I was like, what's my worst case scenario? And I was like, okay, worst case scenario, this doesn't work out. I can't get a job. I have to go move up north in northern Minnesota with my mom. And I serve buffalo wings at the local bar. That's still not that bad. Like, I could do that. So whenever I'm doing anything I'd these days, you. I'm like, what's my worst case scenario? Not that bad. Okay. That is amazing. Who's feeling inspired? Huh? Put your hands together for these CEOs who sell. Thank you. So what do we think? What'd you learn? Well, if you like that, check out coffeeclosers.com for upcoming episodes, recordings, and more. And don't forget to check out our sponsors. Each one has been hand-selected. They are best in class. Until next time, we'll see you at the next Coffee and Closers. Cheers. Say live, come on live. Live a life we love. Gotta live, I said live. Live a life we love.